So, um, as we know by now, I'm uh, just going to focus on a smaller section from the readings this week. And it was pretty slow. It, it kind of crept to a, a halt this week. I mean, they're just like 10 verses a day or something like that. Uh, but I kind of like that every now and then. So we're in chapter 12. And just a, a brief recap. The chapter 12 falls toward the beginning. It's getting toward the middle of the section of the journey of Jerusalem, which is chapters 9 through 19. And so on this journey, Jesus is, is teaching his disciples. We talked a lot about uh, last week we talked about we looked at the feeding of the 5,000 and how that was a picture of Jesus teaching his disciples how to be right. He wasn't just telling them, all right, first you go out and then you uh, do a miraculous thing and you feed 5,000 people. And he didn't. He was there with them. And he broke the bread and he gave it to them to distribute. So Jesus is training his disciples how to live. And we fast forwarded into Acts and they, they begin to put that into action. That, that kind of life that Jesus taught them. But on the, on the journey, in addition to teaching his disciples, he is, everywhere he's going, he is calling people to um, a crisis point. He is, he is pushing things to the limit. And it seems like he's causing greater and greater controversy uh, the more that he goes on the journey to Jerusalem. He begins, and it's called the, in the Galilean ministry, it's, it's also called his popular ministry, the popular phase of his ministry. But the further Jesus goes, and the closer he gets to the cross, the more his teaching begins to polarize the crowd. And people begin to depart from him and say, that well, this is too hard for us. Who can do this? And we see this more and more as the journey uh, progresses. At the end of chapter 11, Jesus has uh, confronted the Pharisees. And this is one of the groups that uh, the animosity increases as we go. And this is the first time. So the Pharisees have been you know, curious about Jesus. They've been having him into their homes. They've been posing questions to him. But here in chapter 11, there's a turn that happens. He's going along and uh, someone invites him into the, to dinner in chapter 37 of chapter 11. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. And this has happened before. And so Jesus goes in to dine with him. And the Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not wash his hands. He did not follow the guidelines. <laughs> he wasn't wearing a mask. And Jesus knows what he's doing, right? And so he takes that opportunity to say, to point out something particular about the Pharisees. And he begins to... Uh, really call them out. And he uses some really colorful language and, and points to flaws in them in no uncertain terms. You are like an unmarked grave that people walk over. And he says, you tithe mint and rue and every herb. You're so meticulous about giving your tenth of everything, but you don't even love the people in your life. And verse 53 says, as he went away from there, so he's pronouncing these woes on the Pharisees. 
And verse 53 says, as he went away from there, and here's where the turn happens. The scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. And this marks a turn. Now, they're not curious about what he has to say. They want to take him out. They want him to fail. Right? They were, they were sort of open, skeptical maybe, but now they just straight up want Jesus to fail. They are against him. And so there's this, this ratcheting up of animosity from the Pharisees. And Jesus... Jesus caused this, right? He went into the house and he started pointing out their flaws. And he did provoke them intentionally. And he was speaking truth to them, speaking prophetic truth to them. And so they say, all right, well, um, well we're going to try and catch this guy in, in, in what he says. And they're lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. In the meantime, chapter 12 begins... In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that began trampling one another, there's lots of people around at this point still. He began to say to his disciples first. So we've just come from this showdown with the Pharisees, and they are now turned against him. They pretty much made up their minds about Jesus, and they're now coming after him. And Jesus says to the disciples, in the midst of all this crowd, he, he is teaching his disciples. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And here's the first time where he actually names what it is that he's been calling out in them in chapter 11, which is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Now he's going to, begin, he's going to continue to teach for quite a while, his disciples. He's going to teach them about a lot of things. What it comes down to is he's preparing them to experience opposition and persecution. Okay? But here he says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the fundamental flaw of the Pharisees. And hypocrisy, you could describe it as a disconnect between outward actions and inward motivations. Some have defined it as uh, acting. Right? An actor is a hypocrite. They put on a, a show. They put on an act. But it's this disconnect that Jesus is coming after. Later in chapter 13, he's going to use that word again, the hypocrite word, after he heals the woman who's bent over. He heals her on the Sabbath. And they come after him and say, See, look, we're trying to catch you. You're healing on the Sabbath. That's improper. And he says... See, this is, this is a perfect example of hypocrisy. Because, he says, you're getting on me for healing this woman. You wouldn't think twice about leading your donkey to water on the Sabbath. And I am healing a daughter of Abraham. Where's the disconnect? So he says, what are you talking about? You're trying to appear a certain way, but you have no ounce of actual love for this woman. You're just trying to trip me up, to take me down. There's no real correct... So hypocrisy, as it applies to the Pharisees, is this religious fraud. He's saying you, you are religious frauds who have no real connection to God. 
No real understanding of his heart. And everything you do is just an outward form. But that's what Jesus thinks about the Pharisees, and it's pretty clear. But he's not teaching the Pharisees. He's calling them out. He's calling them hypocrites. Who is he teaching? Who is he explaining to his disciples? And he's warning them. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Guys, did you see what they just did? Here's what he's saying. Did you see what they just did? Don't fall into that trap. The context here is that the Pharisees are becoming more threatened. And so they are responding in a particular way that reveals their hypocrisy. As we just read, as he went away from there, they began to press him hard and to provoke him. They've entered a new level of hatred for Jesus. The disciples, and Jesus knows this, because he himself, Jesus and his disciples, are moving into a period, and Jesus is aware of this, of greater and greater opposition, persecution. Both on the journey to Jerusalem, but, but also later, you know, after even Jesus ascends. He's, he's preparing them in this section for the persecution that's going to come upon people who follow Jesus. So we clearly see how Jesus' presence in the life of the Pharisees is dragging out their true nature for all to see. All right? Jesus' presence, Jesus' opposition to the Pharisees is revealing their insides to everybody. And Jesus says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So what's he saying? He's saying, guys, we are about to... As we continue on this road, we are going to be opposed. These Pharisees are are now lying in wait to catch us in what we say. And there's one way to not get caught in what you're saying. There's one way to ensure that you don't get caught in what you're saying. And that's actually to live what you said. 100%. So what's he saying? Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Guys, it's going to get tough. And in response to that opposition, don't put on a show. Be who you know you should be and forget about the rest. Here's what he says. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed. You can't hide. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. And he goes on. Let me just read through some of this, and you can see why he's warning them against the leaven of the Pharisees. He's not just saying, hey guys, don't uh, put on robes in the marketplace and walk around. He's not saying don't do the things that the Pharisees are doing. He's saying don't have the the kind of disconnect that the Pharisees have. Don't be a hypocrite. There's a Pharisee way of being a hypocrite, but he's not warning them against being a Pharisee. He's warning them against, hey, you too may be tempted to act in a way that's different than what you know is right and true, especially in the face of opposition. 
Is this making sense? All right. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. Hey, if someone wants to persecute you and come at you, don't be afraid of that. And after that, they have nothing more that they can do to you. All they can do is just kill you. (laughs) That's it. And then it's the end. But I will warn you you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast him to hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. In other words, live to God. Don't live to... Don't live to the opposition. In the moment of persecution, don't abandon godliness. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Because you're going to have a lot more to answer to if you abandon godliness in a moment of persecution. You're going to have an eternity to answer to God for that abandonment of him. But he says, listen. Fear not. Because you're of more value than sparrows. God has the hairs of your head numbered. God's got you. You can have integrity. You can live the life that you know is right. Because God 100% has you. I tell you. And here's, here's what he, this, is, this is why these warnings, or this, this teaching now makes sense. I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men... The Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. So this is the opposite of hypocrisy. When pressed, you still testify to who God is. You don't, in the face of pressure, become something other to respond to the pressure. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And yes, this also gives us some insight into what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit in Luke's context. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Hey, listen. There's going to be people. We're going to Jerusalem to be mocked, spat upon. This is my mission. right? And I'm going to forgive those people. But let me tell you who's in real danger. Those people who know me. Those people who walk with me. He's talking to his disciples, remember? He says, you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Those people who, in the moment of persecution, deny me. Right? He says, fear him who, after you've been killed, has the authority to send into hell. So the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. If you die (laughs) denying me, there's nothing I can do for you. But if you die because you love me, because you've made the good confession, well, then even your persecutors, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's still hope for them. But there's not hope for someone who, just in the face of, of immediate persecution, abandons me. So it's related to this, to the, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So really it has to do with falling away in the face of persecution. In this, in, in Luke's context. That's, that would be blaspheming the Holy Spirit. When they bring you before the, rule, the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't be anxious. About how you should defend yourself or what you should say. 
Anxiety leads to hypocrisy. Anxiety leads to nervous play acting. But the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Spirit's inside of you. Let what's inside of you come forth. Don't don't shove down what's inside of you and put on this outward face. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you. Don't be anxious and don't be a hypocrite. So he's saying, listen guys, it's going to get hard. It's going to get rough. But just remember this. The Pharisees have an image to keep up because there's nothing inside of them worth anything. The only thing that's worth something in their life, according to them, is the way that they appear. But you guys are just the opposite. He's going to go on to talk about food and clothing and how God God will provide all that for you. No big deal. He's going to say, listen, guys, the only thing you have going for you is what's inside of you. So don't, by your actions, disassociate yourself from who you really are just because of some momentary persecution. That's what the Pharisees do. That's the leaven of the Pharisees, and it can creep in to even among the disciples of God. The disciples of Jesus. So he's saying, guys, we have no image to keep up. They're going to try and trip you up. But that's a fool's errand. Because there's nothing to trip. There's no disconnect in us. We are genuine people. What's true of us in secret is true of us in public. Because we live... From this secret place of our life with God. That's how we live. That's how we conduct our affairs. So regardless of the pressure or threats. We are who we are. And the spirit will respond uh, in in that hour. So Jesus goes on to say that we don't even need to be concerned with, with other needs. With our outward needs. God has everything under control. And so in the hour of opposition. In the hour of persecution. Do not become a hypocrite. Don't panic and and put on a face, is what he's saying. So, that's that's what his his teaching here to his disciples is all about. There's a coming persecution. If you read 12, 13, he talks about coming opposition. But then he also talks about the end times. And he uses the hypocrite word again. He says, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky... But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? What's inside of you is different than the way that you live. You have different motives. So, just by by way of application. We live in a time where there's all sorts of pressure to rapidly respond and make a statement. Declare your allegiances. Are you left or right? Are you Trump or Biden? Are you Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter? (laughs) Or just name the, the polarizing topic of the day. 
The Pharisees were after Jesus to get him to respond in a particular way so that they could catch him in what he says. This is the way that the world operates. The world is lying in wait to try and catch us in what we say. And Jesus would say to us, hey, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Often the best course of action is to say nothing for now. Don't let the pressure dictate. Don't let the pressure rush an unwise statement. Say nothing and live life the way you know Jesus wants you to live. (laughs) We don't owe anyone an explanation. Right? Our lives should be our explanation. Right? Jesus, people asked him, hey, what are you doing? He said, come and see. Come and see. That should be our attitude. We don't have to worry about how to respond. Because just as soon as we get into that game of making statements and taking sides, we are at risk of hypocrisy. We are at risk of crafting an image on the outside That really doesn't align with who we are on the inside. That image is just projected out there to mitigate whatever opposition is is lurking around the corner. Right? We don't have to do that. Jesus says, don't play that game. Don't get into a PR fight. You will lose. You will be found to be hypocritical. Somebody will catch you in something that you say. Instead, just... Live the life that you live in secret. Live it all the time. As soon as you let the pressure start to force you to put on an outward, a public-facing mask, that's how the leaven of the Pharisees creeps in. And no, we're not like the Pharisees in their hypocrisy, but we are hypocrites all the same. Does that make sense? It's leaven. This is insidious. It can creep in wherever. Leaven would be a powerful metaphor. You just put a little bit over here, and all of a sudden it leavens the whole lump. How did that all get here? How did we get so far away? How did we get so disconnected from the truth? How did our public face become so different than our private life? It's the leaven of the Pharisees. It's hypocrisy. And it creeps in, and it leavens the whole lump. So, I think we can take this as a direct application for us. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Hypocrites abound in these days. Hypocrites abound on the left and on the right. And we are to beware any any grain of that leaven among us. Because it will get in and it will leaven the whole lump. Any kind of hypocrisy, we are to beware. Crafting an image, crafting an appearance that differs from who we really are on the inside. And for us, I think the danger would be to, to get intimidated. And to begin to feel like, well, we need to explain ourselves. 
No, we don't. We live life. And we follow Jesus. And you can try and trip us up in what we say, but listen, we're not really saying anything other than what's really true. All right, so there's a great verse in Romans 12. It kind of sort of gives us the opposite way to live. I'm going to go to a couple places in the New Testament. And then we'll uh, come take communion. Uh, Romans 12. Romans 12, 9. Let love be genuine. And that word is awesome because it's let love be unhypocritical. That's literally what that word is. Let love be genuine. Um, King James, I think, says without dissimulation. With, let love not be just a show among you. Actually love each other. Actually love God. How do you avoid being a hypocrite? By actually loving God. Not saying that you love God, but living like you don't. How do you avoid being a hypocrite? You actually love one another. Not saying that you do, but really being in it for, your, for yourself. This is how we avoid loving of the Pharisees. We love one another genuinely. 1 Timothy First uh, Timothy one three uh, or one four. I started verse three. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is this: it's love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience. And a sincere faith. That's what we're about. We're not about addressing all of the different voices that come and and the little fiery darts that get pointed against the church of God. We are to not get involved in that stuff. He says certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion. Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. It's the leaven of the Pharisees. You got sucked away. You got drawn off into a Facebook conversation that you knew wasn't going to go anywhere. (laughs) But you still had to stick up for yourself. And there you go. Your words are out there. And now it's been turned against you and it's, it's out of your control. Right? Certain persons, by swerving from these, don't wander away into vain discussion. There's so much vain discussion happening these days. And precious little love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. 
Why is that? It's the leaven of the Pharisees. And so, I want to take communion, and I hope I can find this scripture. Uh, Let's see. Oh yeah, here it is. Your boasting is not good. Paul says to the Corinthians, chapter 5. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Guys, your boasting isn't good. You're making yourself bigger with your words than you actually are. And there's that leaven. That age-old leaven. You know, uh, leaven can last for like thousands of years, right? There are some people who make bread in Europe with starter that's been going, you know, it just keeps continuing on down through the generations. Well, that's happened with the leaven of the Pharisees. It's still here. It's still among us. You know what I'm talking about? Did I just spew lies from the pulpit? Is this a real thing? Okay. I don't know if I just dreamed that or not. Everybody's masked faces kind of threw me off. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. I'm still waiting for someone to name their church the new lump. (laughs) As you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, celebrate the festival not with old leaven, hypocrisy, a show, Outward boasting. It's a farce. Celebrate the festival, and it's referring to this festival right here. Not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We are called to celebrate our life together by partaking of Jesus' life, which is sincere and true. And that's a life that's Free of hypocrisy. What's true on the inside is true on the outside. And there's there's integrity. There's no disconnect. And so as we come to the table tonight, I I want us to come and examine ourselves. And ask God, is is there leaven in me? Is there something in me that wants to project what I think I should be instead of really clinging to, to Jesus and allowing his life to come forth, allowing the Holy Spirit to be what emanates from my life, not my own projections of who I think I should be. Amen? So let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll come and partake. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to become a body that is uh, an unleavened lump. Lord, that if we were to be, uh, if everything that we said and everything that we thought 
in the darkness and in the secret were to be proclaimed on the rooftops, Lord, we would not be ashamed. Lord, help us to beware the leaven of the Pharisees, to, do, to beware the impulse to defend ourselves by putting on a, a show. Lord, help us to, to flee that and to recognize it. Help us to love with sincere hearts, God. And Lord, we do need your help. Because our, our instinct is to put on a face. Lord, that, that leaven is, is so easily spread into our lives and among us, Lord. But I pray that you would create among us a sincere and true people who love you and who do what pleases you. Not for a show. Not for the pressure of appearances. Uh, but just because... You are our God and, and we love you. Lord, help it be true among us that love is genuine. Lord, help the aim of our life be love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Lord, we, we long for that life and we thank you that the, the life is so clearly represented for us in Jesus. And so, Lord, as we partake of his body and his blood, I pray that you would cleanse out the old leaven. Any old leaven that's in us, Lord. And as we celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Because you, Jesus, our Passover lamb, have been sacrificed. So, Lord, cleanse out the old leaven that we may be a new lump. We thank you for that, God. Come and meet us here in this meal. We thank you for it. Thank you that you come to, to uh, break bread with us, to deliver your body and your blood to us so that we could uh, reflect your image, God, that we could live as you in, in the world. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to eat and drink deeply in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, come on up and uh, grab enough for your crew. And uh, we'll uh, take it together and then we'll close with a song of worship. <laughs>